All right then, guys. So welcome to episode two of the Winning Edge podcast. I'm Rick, and this is John. And last time was all about me. <laughs> now we're going to talk about yourself, Mister Bond. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna go as far back as you want to go. Okay, you know, we've already touched on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we've touched on the fact that you know we met in LA Fitness, and we'll yeah. get to that. But you know, let's start with you know, how long have you been in the industry now? Okay, now. Um, I, I think about thirty years. So I'm forty nine this year. So I remember getting my first job in a gym when I was twenty. So I was twenty years old. Um, when I first started gym. So yeah, twenty nine, going on thirty years. And, where, and obviously, I know, but you know, for people listening, where was that? Where where we? So where we raised, etc. So. We have to go there. Yeah, we've we got to, to bring up black. We've got, we've got, we've got to go through the whole journey, the whole time. I spent, I spent like... the last twenty years telling everyone I'm from Manchester because it's just easier. I've been travelling the world. You mentioned Blackpool to people, I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? I'm like, okay, it's just a shitty little town by the sea. Uh, people, oh, it must be nice by the sea. Like, no, you have no fucking idea. Um, so no, I grew up in Blackpool, um, and like you know, I didn't get straight into the fitness industry. I mean, back in the day, I guess. I didn't even think fitness was a job. I didn't think you could work in fitness. Like the kind of gyms I went in were old school, one man band, bodybuilders. Usually the gym was a front for something else because it's. <laughs> I, certain, I didn't expect it to say certainly that. Didn't, well, I'm just going back to back back to yeah. how I started, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because certainly you know paying three pound a fucking session wasn't making the kind of money that these guys for the cars in the car parks and shit. So, you know, it is what it is. That's how things were. And, you know, there were good gyms. And I, I, you know, I looked up to some of those guys and running the gyms and looking at their life and be like, fuck, that's fucking easy life. Sat there reading your magazines and taking a few quid off people, having a workout and, you know, but to me, that just didn't look like a, 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 a something that was attainable. Like mm -hmm. these guys had built their own gyms and, you know, as a kid at, you know, 18, 19, that wasn't really what I thought was possible. So. You know, I had a few other jobs when I left school. I left school as a mechanic initially. I didn't like that. I realised that being a mechanic doesn't pull chicks. I was like, be having oily fucking hands and swore figure smell was like not. No. Probably no. not going to cut it in the nightclubs. So I did that and then uh, I realised that kind of wasn't for me. And then I did a few other things. I, I remember working in a, in a factory, uh, driving a forklift truck around for a year or so on, on nights, um, which was actually good money. Uh, but I, I fucking hated it. Like, I just... You know, there was times I just didn't want to go to work. Like, yeah. I just, you know, I'm sat there, like, I was 19, and I'm like, fucking hell, you know, I've got to go to work at 9 o'clock at night and work through the night. And, then, you know, and a few things fucking happened uh, in my life. Um, and I got sick, unfortunately. Uh, I had cancer when I was 19. Um, and that was really where I had to kind of try and change my life around a little bit. I did... After that, I went off the rails a little bit. I didn't really know how to handle what had happened. So I got in a lot of trouble. I was hanging out with a lot of the wrong kind of people. And there became a point where, you know, there was a point where I could have gone to prison. And that was kind of my wake-up call. And I remember it was my mum, of all fucking people. I remember being sat on the stairs for some reason at my mum's. And I think I was, I didn't want to go to work. And I was just like, it was almost, I don't even want to admit this, but looking back, it was almost like a mini fucking breakdown, I think, because I was just didn't know what to do. And my mum was like, is there nothing you can do in, in fitness? She's like, you've been running around and training since your fucking child. Like mm -hmm. I, I used to 
everything was a sport to me. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 I went, someone asked me a while ago, I think it was when I was doing one of my fucking, my dumb little fucking shorts for, for Instagram. But they asked me like, you know, how do you start in fitness? And I was like, oh, I don't fucking know. I actually don't know. Apart, you know, apart from the start of my career, if someone says, when and how did you start training? I'm like, I don't know. I remember playing football as a kid, like mm-hmm. you. That was like the first sport. I wasn't very good at it. I was a goalkeeper, so clearly wasn't very good. If you become a goalkeeper, you were shit. You get put in there. You, you get put in there when you yeah. shit, and yeah. then you either become a good goalkeeper or you don't. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I was always pissed. But then I was always the only one with the football at school, so everyone followed me around. I was, oh, okay. Everyone had to wait for me so we could start playing football. Oh, okay. Which, um, so that, that made me popular, which was pretty cool. Um, so, you know, football, and then I remember, like, you know, there was, like, um, what they call them, like, obstacle courses. I'd go and run around those and do dips and push-ups. And yeah, like the assault courses. Yeah, I'd make stuff up in the back garden. Like, I, I turned everything into a sport. I mean, I remember when I got into BMX in, I made like a little BMX track in the fucking garden. It's about the first time I broke my nose because I was doing something and I fell into a fucking tree. Because garden's not really the best place to make a BMX track, but you know, my mum wasn't too Good effort thing. though. But yeah, it was like we had a beautiful garden. Next thing it's a fucking BMX track with ramps and shit. She's like, what the fuck have you done? It's my fucking, it's my track, what do you think? Um, so I just, and, and even training, like I remember having got some little dumbbells. I remember fucking bulwarker things. You remember those? Oh, sitting in the shit, fucking man. garage. Do like 50 of those and 20 push-ups. You know, I used to fucking do plyometrics, jumping on and off the wall. And I just, I've made shit up, Yeah, really. Yeah. I look back at some of that stuff, and I'm like, fuck, I was doing pre-exhaust. You're all right there, yeah. I didn't even know what yeah. pre-exhaust was. So I was yeah. just trying to put things together to get myself tired. For me, training and exercise and running around like a fucking idiot was just, I don't know, I almost had a lot of fucking energy to get rid of, which is surprising now because I need at least three naps to get through a fucking day now. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's kind of, you know, but that... So that's how that all came about. And then, like I said, it was really my mum sat there and went, is there nothing, nothing mm-hmm. in fitness? And I was like, I really don't know. But and, but it was just at that time when a few health clubs were starting to open up um, around town. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and so they were becoming jobs for fitness instructors. I think it was kind of in there right at the beginning of that. Yep. Where old school sports centres were like, turning squash courts into into yep. a gym yeah because no one played squash anymore and they're like how can we make some money and everyone wanted to work a gym same thing like la fitness but even smaller yeah there was like you know platform of cardio and then handful of machines so and then i uh and, and this kind of story's followed my whole career really about putting myself you know like you put yourself out there putting myself in the right environment has opened a ton of doors for me um so it was again it was my mum that got the daily fucking paper out and there was this um fitness instructor course ymca fitness wow. instructor course exactly the same one i did yeah um uh, it was fucking pretty good like 16 days yeah like on site um so it was like i think six seven days you know back to back and then three weekends or something and it was at thornton sports center Jeez, where's that Thornton and Cleveland's. So like you've got Blackpool, Thornton and Cleveland's and then Look Fleetwood. Cleveland's. It's fucking rough. So I, I get the bus. I've got no fucking money. I'd quit my other job. Um, and I get the bus every day to go and do the course. And a couple of people on the course were working in, in the gym, in the sports center, tiny little fucking gym, a uh, few fitness instructors. Um, and I'd been on, and I went in the gym and trained every lunchtime. No one else did. So every lunch in the course, I'd be in the gym fucking lifting. And I was in okay shape. Um, but there was like 20 people on the course, not one other person trained. Like I've said, 
training comes first mm-hmm. for everything. So I'm like, I know I'm on the course, but I'm training. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the manager um, at the time and whatnot had seen me training, seen me around, um, spoke to a couple of the other instructors that were on the course with me and just said, <clears throat> you know, ask him if he's looking for some work. Yep. You know, um, he looks like the kind of person that we, you know, we, we, we could hire uh, when the course is done. So one of the girls that was on the course kind of asked me and said, you know, would you, would you be interested? Like, you know, have a chat with her um, at the end of, you know, the course and there's probably a job for you. So, you know, like you, they said, look, you know, we've seen you, we're looking for a part-time, you know, fitness instructor, would you be interested? So I was like, fucking wow. So all, all of a sudden from being in this fucking dark place of not knowing what I was mm-hmm. doing in my life, mm-hmm. the gym and just putting myself in the environment kind of turned everything around. I mean, yep. don't, like you, not from a financial point of view, straight away they were like, okay, we can only offer you part-time. Yeah. Like, okay, that's cool. I don't care, I'll take anything. Um, X amount per hour, I don't know the fuck it was, but it was terrible. Because um, again, that was when the light bulb went on. Got a certificate. Yeah. And oh, that's all you're going to pay me? Yeah. I thought my certificate was like a fucking, you know, doctorate. Um, clearly not. Um, and again, same thing. You get there and it's like, right, okay, this is a daily duty. It's fucking clean this, do this. <laughs> But you have a swimming pool. You have to do pool tests. Right? Not, not, like yes. Yeah, so not at that oh. gym. I got moved. So they had a, a multiple small gyms. They had another one. And at some point they moved me to that gym and that's when it had sauna, steam, oh, fucking jacuzzi, cleaning that shit. Blech. I've got so many funny stories. Go in. Well, because you was a bunch of lads, right? So we don't, yeah, I didn't know when I first got there and you, you know, you, you, you pay your dues, right? So you get there and you're the new guy and the other guys will be like, okay, we'll clean the gym. You do the change rooms. Yeah. And you're in that. there fucking sweating your bollocks off, fucking <laughs> cleaning everything, scrubbing body fat off the steam room and all this shit. <laughs> Oh god! And then you come in the gym, Me. and they'd be sat in the fucking staff room chatting shit. I'm like, have you not cleaned anything? Yeah, fuckers. Put the um, weights back, and that's it. And then slowly they flipped. Like we get some new members. Next thing, I'm the one. Who's like you do the fucking change rooms. Yeah. We're gonna do the gym. We'd like throw a duster around a little bit, fucking tidy up, and go sit down and have a laugh. Some new kid would be in the change rooms, fucking sweating their ass off and cleaning that stuff. So, you know, that was my introduction to to, to working in a gym, and you know, I just. um the interesting because of like i guess where i'd come from i fucking loved it yeah like that was that first thing and i've been saying this same thing for like 30 years to to people i teach and educate and hire nowadays it's just like you know really depends what you want out of life but the money never mattered and i was like you know if i can stand in a fucking gym for the rest of my life and not sit in an office not do this not do that then i'm gonna be fucking happy and i've pretty much done that um and then that just sort of snowballed again i was just always I was a little older than some of the other guys at, at certain points and you know i just everything i did i was always moving towards wanting to be like the manager or the leader or whatever I just had okay. that thing whereby you know within a year or so you know i was one of the head trainers and then you know they put me in charge of one of the other gyms and you know i just kept so this was of, all with the ledger yeah 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 okay so that okay. was all with that i was i was managing within a couple of years so is it, is it so after after that job is that when you made the move and when we met no so what, so that i did that job for a few years and i kind of outgrew that a little bit and i was looking for another opportunity and the ymca um there was a big ymca that was being built um in another area of blackpool called st anne's and it was another it was a big sports center it was going to be brand, brand new and they were looking for someone to set up their gym setup so it still had the sport they did a lot for kids and yeah, you know, they had the indoor five-a-side and, and all that sort of stuff. But they were building quite a big gym 
for that place. And I remember going for my interview um, and being shown the gym with a fucking hard hat on because it hadn't really been built. And they were like, look, we want someone to put the systems in place, you know, bring in some fitness instructors, teach them what to do and all that sort of stuff. So my, my you know, my, me training other trainers and putting systems in place kind of started a long, long time ago. Yeah, even though yeah. My, and how old were you roughly then? I was still in my twenties, so I was about twenty-seven, I think, twenty-six, twenty-seven. Mm -hmm. By the time that job came about, I'd been at the other place for a few years. Um, no, actually, no. I was, no, I was sorry. I was twenty-five. That's uh, a lot of responsibility, then, isn't yeah. it? Sort of straight. Well, away. I blagged it. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> fucking, I didn't know half of what what I was going to do. I just knew I could do it. So I was kind of like, and they go, "We've got a budget, and this is what we're thinking." And I remember them. It was putting in the. I think it was called. Tech or something like the Fitech system. Remember that Boy, where you do the fitness, hell. the fitness assessment. Do you remember all wow. that? You give them a big fucking thing of paper. So I knew I knew how to use Ooh, all that. I'd forgotten about all yeah, that. We had the body no. fat testing, oh, all those sort God, of things. What to a load of shit! Yes, oh, fucking horrendous. But uh, so. apparently, what a load of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not yeah. allowed to say. No, Fitech are watching, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, if it's still. So I've heard. So I've heard. But I think we've been in the industry long enough. Without prejudice. So I, you know, so I got that job and I remember uh, the guy that hired me, you know, he said um, they had four questions. I remember sitting down for the interview and it's the only job interview I think I've ever had. I don't think I've had any other job interview in fitness for the, for the rest of my career. This is the one time I was leaving somewhere and I had to go and interview and I got that job. Um, no, LA Fitness I had an interview for as well, tell a lie. That was the two, two interviews I've done and then after that there's been no interviews. Mm -hmm. Everything else was a, a step in because so the people knew me or whatever. Um, um, and then, so yeah, so <laughs> they said, we were asking everybody four questions. I can't remember the four questions, but they said, we're asking everyone four questions and based on their answers, we'll decide who's going to get the job. And so I answered the four questions. And again, even then, like I have this tendency that if I don't quite know the answer, I ramble until I do. And I know I do it. I don't think I do it as much now, but back then my answer was, if I don't know, I'll keep talking until the answer comes. And uh, when I got the job afterwards, they were like, do you, want, do you know why you got the job? I was like, no, don't fuck. And they were like, you didn't stop talking. We <laughs> wanted someone with a personality. We wanted someone who we knew was going to be good with, you know, the clients and the members and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. Because um, I knew there were some parts to the question. I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Yeah, I'm going to talk yeah. until yeah. I do, and then all of a sudden, someone would come in. So, you know, I've always been a little bit like that. So I did, I, that, I did that um, for, I think, a couple of years. And then I had my first um, midlife crisis and I had this fucking dream that I was going to go and fucking um, do Baywatch and live in the US. Um, I mean, I've never heard this before, heard just story. over the glaze, so, though, you right. know, so, bring this one on. Come so, on. yeah, so I, go, I get this fucking idea and I say to my mom, I'm like, Look, I just need to fucking go and travel the world. This is going to start my travel book to a certain degree, but very naively. Didn't know anything about visas, didn't know anything about anything. But what I did do is I found a summer job working as a lifeguard in uh, New Jersey of all places on the Jersey Shore way before. You know, I have this? never heard this. So before. fucking hell. So well, it's entertaining. So, so the I'm on, I, I I fly out there uh, way before the Jersey Shore was a fucking thing, and uh, I uh, I was in this small place called Wildwood. I stayed in this big fucking house full of other students. I do two days as a lifeguard and this fucking obnoxious fucking yank said something to me. I can't remember what the fuck he said. Anyway, I was young, aggressive, spat my dummy out and walked out. I'd done two days. Like, well done, John, you've flown all the way over there. Yeah. I had 
didn't have much money. You want to say that must have cost as well? I don't know, I can't remember. Not, not enough, yeah, yeah. cost everything I had to yeah. get there. Yeah. So I had a few quid and that I knew could last me a little bit amount of time. And then luckily a couple of the other guys were like, look, we're, you know, we came out here to do this, but a couple of Irish kids and they were working the doors on some of the bars and nightclubs. Fucking the easiest door you'll ever work. So I'm like, fuck, get me in, get me in, I'll do that. So I'm sat on the doors and, and out there back in the day, you were kind of, all you're doing is going, you're 21, stamp down, 21, stamp, 21, stamp. So we do. Till two o'clock, nightclub shuts, a few drinks, fucking go home. So I did that to make a little bit of money, but I was slowly also running out of money. Um, because at the time I was kind of each weekend I'd go I'd, because you know, New Jersey, I could go to New York, I could go to Philadelphia, yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking Rocky Steps and all that shit. Yeah. Um, and I was having a fucking great time, but I was slowly running out of money. And this is back in the day, no mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm training every day. I was in fucking great shape <laughs> at the time. Um, but then I started to run out of money. I remember vividly my last couple of weeks. I was literally doing Rocky. I was putting eggs in a fucking glass, mixing it with milk, just fucking downing it, rice. It's all I fucking had. I had nothing left because I was my my ego didn't want to go home. Right. But I knew I'd only been there eight weeks. Like it felt like a lifetime because I was a kid. I knew I was gonna have to go home. And I was like, fuck, I'm gonna go and eat humble pie. I told everyone I'm fucking off to the States and I'm gonna go make it. And it's not gonna happen. So you know, talk about fucking failures. So I start ringing my mate on a payphone. Like, this is back in the day, yeah, I'm in yeah, the States, yeah. I was put fucking... Reversing put charges in and it, all yeah. that, yeah. I'm like, mate, what are you up to? And he's like, well, I'm like, well, look, it looks, looks like I'm coming back. He's like, well, let us know, because I get your job. So he worked in a five-a-side football centre. So I get back, um, I go and interview quickly, and they're like, yeah, come in, we need someone to... I was getting a little gym upstairs, five-a-side centre downstairs. Me and him ended up running the five-a-side centre, it's a fucking shit show. So funny. So that's probably the funniest job I've ever had. Me call, to I mean, I, again, probably no no names. You're probably best to leave that one yeah. alone. But I am going to start calling you like, you know, Hasselhoff now as well. well absolutely. Because so, I never knew this. No, anyway, it did fucking work. But keep going. So, anyway, that, so that was my last job before coming to Manchester. So I, I worked at the Fiverside Football Centre. And again, they hired me to put the systems in place for their little gym upstairs. Mm-hmm teach the trainers how to do inductions and look after clients mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff but half the time to be honest it was just me and my mates on the desk fucking having a laugh we went out nearly every fucking night it was, mm-hmm. it was insane um but there's a common theme that already you were showing leadership skills management skills you were running teams and then yeah i mean for all my chasing other things and doing like that, i already had that every single time they put me in something it was always to set something up mm-hmm. um i got you know experiencing that quite young um, so when, when I did the move to Manchester, again, it was a, a similar thing. I was kind of, you know, fuck, don't, don't want to talk bad of Blackpool, but it doesn't take long to outgrow Blackpool. And, and I, I knew fitness was my thing. So it's kind of like, what's next? And I can't remember who it was, but someone suggested, you know, is, is would Manchester, I think I was thinking London and someone said, well, is Manchester not a good option? I mean, it's a bit closer. It's, it's a starting point. Um, and the same thing. I remember back in the day, a newspaper, you know, looking through the job section, I think, because you could get the Manchester Evening News right. in Blackpool, right? Okay. So I started getting the Manchester Evening News and looking at the job section. And the job for LA Fitness came up and it was just, again, fitness instructor. Yep. And again, I'm, I'm you know, I've done this a little bit and I've, yeah, I've told this yeah. to other trainers. I'm like, just take It's a lesson there, job. isn't it? It's a lesson for everybody yeah. listening. You get in the fucking door. I, yeah, in the I've, door. I've been yeah, managing absolutely. all sorts of stuff and yeah. teams. And, but I was like, look, I want to move to Manchester. <clears throat> That's going to be new. Uh, I just need a fucking job. Yeah. Um, so I went, interviewed, um, and ironically, the girl that interviewed me, Sally, I think she was called, 
she was only there for a few weeks and left. So I get, I go in the doors, humble pie, fitness instructor. I don't fucking care. I'm living in Manchester. I've got a shitty flat in Fallowfield. Um, fucking, where you moved to? Yeah, so I moved to Fallowfield. Wow. Fucking barbed wire on the fucking so New York to Fallowfield. Yeah, it's fucking it. mental. So I'm sat there. Look like, I don't see anything wrong with Fallowfield. No, but I sit there, fucking Carnegie. I was like, fucking hell. So, but I was cool. I was like, this is fucking great. Got a job. I'm in Manchester. And then she quit like literally two, three weeks after I started. And obviously they'd seen my CV. They'd seen what I'd done. And Andy mm -hmm. Brown at the time pulls me in the office. God, and he's Andy like, Brown. Andy him. Brown was cool. Yeah. So yeah, sound, yeah. You know, he sat me in the office and said, look, she's leaving. You know, we could look to hire, but you know, you have all the skills mm -hmm. to, to manage the team. Do you want to take that role? And I was like, fucking absolutely. So literally three weeks within the, within so being there you wouldn't have took a punt to be a fitness instructor essentially a step back let's say yeah, yeah essentially a step back yeah you got in you were there three weeks before you know it yeah. you were in the gym yeah so you know and, and this has happened a lot in my career of like just getting myself in the right environment i it's i say this to a lot of people and people go Yo, how did you get to here how did you get your mind if you want to do anything you've got to put yourself in the environment and that doesn't always mean getting the dream job you want from day one. It just means, okay, if you want to work around those kind of people, go and work around those kind of people in any fucking capacity they'll give you and then work your way up. Such and that's how lesson. I've always done Such everything. Such a lesson for everybody. So that was LA Fitness. Yeah. That was the start. And then that's how I met you guys. Yeah. So our paths crossed. You're in LA Fitness. You're running the gym. Yeah. Yeah. You then, yeah, I mean, you, you did that for a decent amount of time. And then the opportunity comes, like myself, to go self-employed. Yeah, and well, that was more of a choice. I, I at the time I was still adamant on, you know, becoming ops manager, general manager. You know, right, I okay. I thought that was still my path. Really, I like yep. management, and but again, you know, it was watching you guys have the freedom to do what you want. I remember Leo, you come in, you do a few days, fucking prep coffees on the side, <laughs> tea, tea, you had tea, um, tea, of course, you know, and then must know that. every few hours you'd be like, you'd all fuck off and you'd be like, John, do you want to come prep? And I'd be like, I can't, I'm on shift. And I'm just like, fuck, I like the idea of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it was actually, I got made, I can't remember who the ops manager was, but the ops manager left. So Andy said, can you, you know, do you want to do a bit of both? And you do a few days. Do you remember him wandering around in a fucking shirt and pants? I do. I that do. was I the... mean, you know, handsome guy. Yeah, he, but you know. fucking bugged me. I was like, so I was, I learned a I lot. I mean, it was the pants more than anything, but you know. Me not. Well, I never wore fucking long trousers. <laughs> so we sat in shorts. People can't see me sat in shorts now. Yeah, so again, I'm, as always. So that, I think I did that for about six months and I had you know, a few days in my gym gear, a few days in the shirt and, and whatnot. And, you know, I learned, I learned a little bit. I was learning about the finances. I was learning about you know, stats behind the scenes and things like that. But it was mm -hmm. fucking Sales you know, and yeah. balance yeah. sheets. Yeah. And at the time I was, what had what I been? Going about 30. And I just realized at that time, I'm like, look, I'm not ready to settle for, for that type of role within fitness because I'm active. Yeah. I love training. Um, you know, and it was being in a shirt and pants all day. I couldn't just get a quick yeah. pump on in front of the mirror. When yeah, I yeah, yeah. Sort of yeah. missing that. So it was then that you lot were all you know, doing PT and I saw how your lives were and I thought, I want, I want a bit of that. And it was, it was me and Amar at the time. He was yeah. asking about it. I, said, okay, Amar, let's, yeah. Yeah. I was like, let's just fucking both go and do it. Yeah. So I spoke to him and they said, look, I think I want to go PT. Yeah. They were, they were cool with that at the time. And they were like, well, you know, make sure you groom whoever's going to be next, which I think we put Ray in charge. And then I did the PT courses. I became a PT, started teaching Ray, some classes. Blimey. Ray. So all of that's a blast from the past, but that was more how it happened. It wasn't that anyone approached me to become a PT. It was more, mm -hmm. I was looking at what you guys were doing and yeah. I ended up asking 
think I want to go and do that side of it. It's interesting that you referred to the ops as boring because we'll perhaps touch on that again now. It's all I fucking do now. Well, I was going to say <laughs> further down the line because you run free gyms yeah. now, but um, we'll come to that a bit later. So well, again, that's because you know I say this to a lot of people, right? Like, don't be afraid to go forwards, backwards, change, and mm-hmm. you know, just because it wasn't right for me. So it's not. 20, it's not like this, no, is it? Just because I think think that was right for me twenty years ago, I learned a lot of skills, and when I when I it's come full circle, and yeah. I can use a lot of that stuff now yeah. with even more knowledge. And now I'm older now. You know, I can run my own gym. No one makes me put a shirt and tie on to fucking and pants. You know, run the gym and pants. I can wear what the fuck I want. You know, I, I'm more interested in that side of things, obviously running businesses and all that sort of stuff. But at the time it wasn't and I needed to make a change. Whereas a lot of people might not. They were just stuck with that path and fucking manage forever. And it's like, well, I didn't want to do that. And to go in the PT route took me in a whole other direction of knowledge and learning, you know, uh, be able to bring the management stuff back you're back in at some point. Mm-hmm. So we I mean, we spoke about this offline. So you got your LAPT shirt, your black mm. T-shirt. And it was smart, wasn't it, the kid? Yeah, I remember yeah. the uniform being smart. And and it, it was a prestigious thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I still try and say this to people all the time. It's like, I was never in it for the money, right? And there was a thing about... Just little stuff, you know. We we as a fitness instructors, and I was fitness manager, but I was still wearing the white fitness instructor top, yeah. right? Black and colors, you look, white yeah. And, and black you're looking colors, at the guys yeah. with the black LAPT tops, and everybody's gravitating towards you lot. And you know, you see that on the other side. It's like you feel like the B team. Mm. Um, so you know, getting that shirt and putting that shirt on is kind of like your badge of honor. But it's like, okay, now I'm a B team. Yeah, it's that step up, and you know, I don't think, you know, from talking to a lot of people nowadays i don't think people really you know see that and aspire to those kind of things we maybe re- we yeah. really valued it, yeah maybe they? companies don't even put that stuff in place as well anymore to mm-hmm. make it this mm-hmm. thing that wow I'm, you know, I'm now i'm this yeah and you know we, we had it a little bit even back at the original gym i first ever worked in a few people did do a little bit of pt and you change your top so you did you had a dark blue top of your pt yeah, and you had white your white yeah so you just switch it go and do a session so you know and that was how and you yourself as well but grew into the industry was like it wasn't about the extra pay it was about the 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 privilege and kind of the prestige of being yeah. that level yeah you know, and then after that there was the levels if you remember yeah pt i can't remember what it was but it was like, like you know fit, exercise specialist exercise specialist physical specialist yeah. all that yeah so even that became yeah. a thing but look, you know as we get older you learn that your profiles and all that shit a bit of bullshit but <laughs> at the time that's not how you thought absolutely right? you're like look this is my business card yeah right and you know we've got profile boards everything you know i'm here as a fucking yeah pt or whatever and then you've got others that actually probably weren't even as good but their profile because of what they were classed as and the qualifications they got look better so again that's where they tied the qualifications in and you had to do those to become that yeah you had to work hard and you could earn a bit more money so you know it's a very good system and i think we've both you know used a lot that we learned from those systems yes yeah, probably throughout our whole career yeah, when building other teams and trying to build culture of standards, standards and, and levels yeah. and all these sort of things that are not just tied to money. You know, I, I do think, you know, the way I have to incentivize nowadays, there's a lot more tied to money mm-hmm. than there was back then. Um, just because of the way the world's changed a little bit and fuck, you know, places are expensive. So, you know, whereas back then it really wasn't about the extra money. It was about the title, the T-shirt, the look, yeah. you know, I am this. Yeah. Um, and there yeah. wasn't social media to show off on what you were, right? So that was you on the gym floor was you showing off 
it's where a, you were as a trainer back then. <laughs> dare I say it, and, and, and I mean no disrespect here, certainly not, because, I, you know, the, but it's kind of a bit like, and you've got a big journey now, which we'll get to, but it's kind of a bit like martial arts belt, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Grade. Yeah, yeah. you're getting nothing new other than a new fucking colour, but that shows the room what, how much time you've put in, Yeah, you know, how much effort you've put in, what level you are now. Yeah. Um and that's how it was back in the gyms, you know, the coloured T-shirts and all these sort of things. That are part, all of that was, look what level I am now. Right? Whereas nowadays, anyone can write whatever the fuck they want on Instagram as a title yeah. or whatnot and be, be whatever, right? We, things have moved on a little bit in different ways, but I, I appreciated that. Because, I, again, I just learned from day one, like you, that it wasn't money was not going to be a big fucking motivator early on in my career and why I do it. Because when you learn the extra that you got for all the work you had to put in to get there, it's like, okay, this is not about the extra five pound a fucking hour. Yeah. <laughs> right? we, had, we had a fucking great team as well, didn't we? Oh, it was fucking good. It was a great good team. I mean, it was great time in our life. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it? I mean, fucking, I mean, I don't know how we survived that, that 10 years, to be honest, because I think we were very professional. Uh, we were one of the best PT teams, definitely in Manchester, from what I saw. There was no doubt know, about it. Because I worked in a couple of other gyms. I remember teaching at Living Well. And going in there and looking at their trainers and what their set was fucking horrendous compared to what we were doing. So you know, you've heard. So yeah, you've heard. Before, uh, does Living Well still exist? It does, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've walked past it about three fucking times. I should know. Um, it's not, they're not in Man certainly not in Manchester now. Right, okay. But, um, um, yeah, it still exists. But, uh, and uh, I think before we took it over, which is a whole other story, um, you know, I'd go in jail 14, they had no setup. You know, I taught a bit there. So I was teaching in a few different gyms whilst PTing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 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 LA Fitness. So I saw what was going on elsewhere and it was nowhere near as professional as what we had set up. Yeah. Um, and looking back, we were professional, we were very good, but fucking hell, man, I look back, we could have done a lot fucking better, but we were still by far the standout of that sort of time. Um, we had the lifestyle with, with business, the yeah, let's say. With the knowledge we had, right? But we were young. Yeah, so we went out. Of, I mean, how the fuck we did? We had a lifestyle business, didn't yeah. we? We, uh, yeah, we absolutely did. <laughs> but so, luckily, we could recover quite well over the weekends and yeah. work professionally in the week. So yeah, we, you know, we I mean, young, I, right? I, yeah. Let's let's move on. Think, <laughs> that, maybe maybe we'll come back to that at other times and whatnot. But so I mean, you know, you, we, I could carry sort of on here then into your next job where you you know just to. If you don't mind, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll go past that a little bit. But you ran a you ran a gym and you ran a gym PT team again, yeah. similar thing. This that the other, but you've you've been in Manchester a good few years. You've you've then earned your PT stripes. You you you've got so you've got management, uh, developing teams, running a PT business. This that the other, and you get an opportunity, and you get an opportunity to uh, do that kind of stuff again. Yeah. But kind of find those travel shoes again. Yeah. Yeah. So. Again, even that came about in a similar fashion of like try to put yourself in the, you know, in the in the environment, right? And I'd, I'd always had the travel thing, travel bug, you know. And even very early on in Manchester, I had conversations about wanting to travel. But you know, everyone everyone will know as a PT, it's hard to travel because once you establish your business, once you establish all your clients, no clients are coming. They're not all going to travel around with you, <laughs> right? They're stuck in one spot. Um, and the only way, and then, and then obviously you can only go and live in certain countries, you know, visas, all these other things, where you're going to go. You know, I remember looking into Dubai at one point and, you know, they were offering me like a two year, um, everything was on a two year um, basis and you couldn't really get out of that. And at the time I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like it. And this was when Dubai was emerging. So it's not as Dubai is now. Right. 
Um, you so, were almost locked into it, were you? Yes, yeah, so you were locked into a two-year contract. It's like, well, no, I'm going to like it. I'm not going to do two years. So I never really took that. Um, and then again, I was just getting to the point where I had that itch to travel. I had the itch to to progress my career again and move on in some way. And the PT world was good, but again, without going back into to where that came about, obviously, you know, we we left LA Fitness. I set up the personal training. We set up the personal training in GL fourteen, and then you kind of decided it wasn't for you and you couldn't be asked with it. So we took it over, <laughs> and uh, we we ran with it for a little while, and then Ballantines took that over, and at that point we moved away from it. So. I was running around with my business, doing a bit of PT at Lifestyle Fitness. I was doing a little bit of my PT boxing and MMA and stuff at Straight Blast. And my career was it's a little bit all over the place. I was just training people for money and it was going okay. But I was like, okay, I was touching 40 at that point. I think I was 39. And I think finally I was like, oh, fuck, I need to fucking grow up a little bit. I need to, you know, what, what, what's get, a, that? No, yeah, yeah, what's get that? a get a career. Yeah, I just careful. No, I know. Well, that's gone fucking, okay? it's gone full circle. I've gone yeah. backwards. But uh, yeah. I kind of just, I was like, I need steady income. I yep. need to find a way to progress my career again. And what does that look like? And I was getting a bit, you know, not tired of PT, but I've been doing it all for a long time now. And that's when I fell back on thinking about the management stuff again. I was kind mm -hmm. of like, look, I've got all those skills. Yep. You know, maybe I get my foot back in the door um, managing things. And ironically enough, I just sat down with Andy McGlynn and he was looking at, <laughs> of all people, and he was looking at, potentially giving me that kind of role with lifestyle might have meant I had to move to London and look after London, a handful of gyms in London. Mm -hmm. It was a decent, decent opportunity, um, which I probably would have took. But at the time I, uh, I was also again, for now not using newspapers, I was scrolling Facebook and a job came up for ultimate performance. Yeah. It came up gym manager, a uh, personal training manager, should I say uh, in Hong Kong. I knew fuck all about Hong Kong. Hong Kong could have been Japan, China, for all I knew. Yep. I had no fucking idea. But this is a huge name now. But yeah, so I, I'm like, okay, I just responded on a quick message because it said respond if you're interested. So I responded, hey, I might be interested in this. And the guy took a look at my profile, took a look, and again, as Tim moved on, looked at my Instagram profile, and da da da, and it was like, look, we we might be interested. You know, you might be the right fit. So, you know, I go down. Um, didn't really know much about ultimate performance, if I'm honest. Um, I realized after how big they were, I was like, oh, fuck. When I actually got the job and everyone was like, fucking hell, wow, you're working for those guys. I was like, you know, actually, it's a lot bigger than I realized. Probably good that I didn't realize because I was winning so humble and just me that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, everything kind of fell into place. So I went, I did all my interviews and they had a full on interview process, you know, do a practical, train somebody. Yeah. Different stages. Meet, and all yeah, that. Meet, yeah, meet the other uh, managers and then finally meet, you know, Nick and have a chat with him. And anyway, they, you know, they gave me the job. They they gave me an offer, more money than I'd ever fucking earned per month. Obviously, I didn't understand how expensive Hong Kong was to live. <laughs> so once I actually realized and got there, I was like, okay, it's good. Makes it's, sense now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the living expenses were, were high in Hong Kong. But look, look, I went to Hong Kong at a point in my life where I was, I was a bit older. I wasn't going out partying like a lot of people do there. Hong Kong, for those of you that don't really know, is very expat. It's mm -hmm. very, very westernized. It can be very local as well. But, you know, I lived there for two years, never learned the language. Didn't need to, very westernized restaurants, lots of expat coaches out there. My whole team was pretty much from the UK or Australia. Um, so you packed your bags locals. and off so you I just, go. So I just went, yeah. So I just, I took the job and, you know, I think, you know, six weeks later I was on a plane to Singapore actually first. They put me in Singapore for a couple of weeks to learn the ropes, mm -hmm. to go and work with the manager over there and just learn how things were done, learn how to do the sales. That became a lot of big part of my job was doing the sales 
uh, and running the team and educating and all that sort of stuff because UP had a massive system. You know, one thing I am very grateful for you to UP for is the systems, learning the systems, learning how they do things, why they do it that way, why everything is so systematic, why they keep a lot of stuff simple in order to hold trainers accountable because some of their gyms had 20, 30 trainers in them. Wow. So you try holding 20 trainers accountable to results, which is what they're massive for. They're by yep. far the best in the world at smashing out results. And the only way you can do that is to have a very systematic approach that you can teach trainers to be able to do this stuff within a certain amount of time. And if you follow these systems, you will get very good results. Yeah. Um, and learning that was a huge learning curve for me as to, to where I am now. Like without that experience, I don't think I would have been able to run gyms as well as I as well as I do. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of me winging. So it massively pushed you on then. So that was like, okay, this is the blueprint. Yeah. These guys are the best in the world. Um, and they've, <laughs> you know, they probably fucking hate that so many gyms have gone off and copied them. But at the same time, it's a, it's a backhanded compliment because mm -hmm. they're the best at what they do. And there's a, I know a ton of gyms that have gone off, ton of trainers from UP around the world that have gone off and built very successful businesses mm -hmm. based on what they learned there. So, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for there that really helped progress my career because um, then they sent me to australia you know so part of the thing was like you know you do a good job in hong kong part of the draw was we're a global company we have gyms all around the world this could take you x y and z and that was a massive part of me wanting to go so where do you go to in australia so i went to sydney in australia so we the up bought out another gym and they wanted to set that up and they wanted to send someone out there to, to help so set that up back again trends. doesn't it yeah so yeah you know i go um I, I, I jump on a plane um and it was i actually went there on holiday i knew it was all coming up but again you know um one of the other business partners within up who looked after a lot of the asian side of things i was like do you need me there or not well like have you got i'll oh, just they sent me again they make things hard work there in a good way like they weren't sure i was ready to go and really head up another gym a new gym even though i've been managing hong kong for two years so they sent me to london I had to go through a process to prove that I knew UP systems in in and out because now I'd be setting them up from scratch, not mm -hmm. just taking over from somebody else. Anyway, it's a bit grey as to whether they're going to give it me or not. I have a couple more conversations about it. I'm like, fuck, am I going to get it or not? So anyway, I booked a holiday to Sydney, as it turned out, for, for Christmas um, because it's only an eight-hour flight from Hong Kong. I'd always wanted to go to Australia anyway, and I take my stuff, and uh, I say to uh, Joe, who it was, I was like, Shall I stay there? Shall I just stay? And he's like, yeah, just stay. So I went on holiday, stayed. We opened the gym. I helped finish, get get it over the line, building it. And while we're building it, I'm interviewing trainers across the road at the coffee shop. And how long were you there for? Just about nearly two years. Just what all your stuff? Did you have to, I mean, this is a random question, right? But I didn't have a this lot. Is how I, this but, is well, how I think. I lived in Hong Kong basically with max two suitcases. So right. I, when, when I left the UK, I got rid of everything. Right. I left the UK with about 1,500 quid in my pocket. Went to Hong Kong with a suitcase. Right. Basically start my life from scratch. I mean, that takes some guts to do that. It takes some... I mean, it was one of the best decisions I ever made. But yeah, I mean, I, fuck, I got on that plane not having a clue what I was doing and what I was walking into. I yeah. knew nothing about Hong Kong until I got there. Um, didn't even know it was British kind of colonised from years ago until I got off the plane and I saw the road signs and the buses and I'm like, fucking like London. <laughs> it's like weird. So I learned a lot very quick. Um, and it, again, it was just one of those, you know, a bit of a leap of faith, a bit of potentially a bit of escapism from, from my current life. I saw an opportunity to start again. Um, and again, that didn't phase me 
in, in any way I was kind of excited um and yeah, you know, then the Australia thing come up and same sort of thing. Like, luckily, I was staying with the same company, so I was I was already now getting paid. I was already comfortably employed, but again, it was new. You know, like I said, I was, I was fucking hiring coaches, sat in the coffee shop, doing interviews, hiring people for a gym they couldn't really see. You know, and then on day one, we had ten coaches. We opened the gym, and you know, we build it pretty quick. Um, and the only reason I didn't stay in Australia was visa, visa stuff, and I was I was I was very disappointed. I've got to be honest, like the. I as much as I love the US, I I had a Australia was was very much more of a spiritual home for me. I love mm -hmm. I love Sydney. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the vibe. I love the way things are there. It's very chilled. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, my the way the way my visa application went in, Australia changed the law within um, while my application was in. Um, not against fitness people, they were trying to stop companies big companies hiring i think filipinos and things like that to work in the offices uh, cheap labor but my visa got my my type of visa got caught up in that it was just this one whatever the l somewhat visa um so i remember ringing my my lawyer and being like is this gonna affect my visa i read it in the paper i was just sat there at my breakfast one morning and i'm reading it in the paper and i'm like that's the visa i've got mm -hmm. an application you know so anyway, i ring the i ring my fucking lawyer and she's like no no you should be fine and about three weeks later, she ran me back. Oh she's no! Like, oh, I've looked into it. Oh no! You're not. You're not going to get your visa. And she's like, "There's only, there's only a couple of workarounds, and they won't work now. It's too late because yours has been in and on a pile, and they've seen if we back, if we backtrack it and start again, they're going to know you're bullshitting. And the only way would have been to make up some, you know, false sort of shares within the business to say that I had some ownership in it, which could have all been done with paperwork, mm -hmm. but." because my original application had gone in not saying any of that yeah if that got flagged we'd have been screwed so i had to make the decision pretty quick to go look if i i could have stayed longer on like you can do what's called like a six month case by case visa where you keep trying to prove that you're still needed there yeah and i was already on one of those so i'd extended my original visa a few times now but once i knew i wouldn't be able to stay my head went a little bit i was kind of like look i could keep i could keep dragging this out but I was just getting settled, you know. I'd bought a sofa, I'd bought a TV, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd I mean, to kit. Wow, wow. No, but I mean, you mentioned stuff earlier that yeah. not not me head off a little bit, but now you you bought a sofa. Yeah, no, yeah. Wow. Well, look, which took me fucking ages to build from IKEA. But <laughs> no, because we we had, we had, we had, we, had, we got this um, apartment, and it was we didn't have anything in it to yep. start with, and because we weren't sure what was going on and how long we keep it, and in the end, me and this other person from UP went to run the gyms. I was manager, she was doing all the ops and we shared this apartment initially and then she moved out and got her own place and I said, look, I'll keep this. And then I'm sat in, all I had was a mattress. Um, so I was like, okay, well, time to start getting settled because yeah. at first I didn't want to buy anything or do too much because I was waiting for my visa to come through because then once I got my visa, I'm like, right, I can settle. The visa thing went on and on and I realized I wasn't going to get it overnight and this was going to be a process, but I slowly got more that it'll be fine, I'll get it. Um, so then I start kitting the apartment out, I gotta buy a car and I'm starting to get all settled and then bang, bang, you can't stay. So I was a bit like, I, I could keep dragging this out six months at a time, or I can just say, look, just let's get some, someone in that can manage this properly and put me somewhere else because it's really hard to stay somewhere you really like and enjoy living knowing you can't ever live there. Yeah. So I'm one of them 
black and white. So it sounds it. like you know the last day of your holiday. Yeah. So I was every, yeah. every day. So yeah. I just said, look, I could I could drag this out, but let's you're gonna have to get someone else in sooner or later. Let's just look for other options for me. So you you've got to move. You've got to you've got to up sticks again. You've got to pack again. Yeah. What happens then? So and, they and then take in, us to to where we so are now. now. So they put me in Singapore, uh, and my role there. They already had a gym manager. Singapore so they put me there as like the, the head of education doing a lot of education stuff there like 40 coaches in Singapore Singapore's great gym like probably I would say got to be the biggest personal training gym in the world so they have 40 coaches in one gym, gym. it's wow. fucking insane wow um you know the amount of money that place makes is cranking sessions mental. out day yeah, in day out crazy and then but I didn't really like Singapore as a place if I was to compare it to Hong Kong for some reason I didn't think I liked Hong Kong that much but I've got to Singapore and it's, it's just not there's just nothing there. And I'm yeah. not a massive social person. I didn't really need to do much, but it was just, there was no energy about the place. So I was there for a couple of months. And then while I was there, it was one of my old clients. So a couple of things happened. One of my old clients, we'd, I'd had conversations with one of my old clients, uh, Dean, who's now a business partner. Um, if I was to run a gym, what kind of gym would I run? And he wanted to get involved in the gym business at some point maybe or Jim I probably had ideas of doing things in fitness and we had a lot quite a lot of conversations and at one point we were like the first idea oh and then he got talking to um so another guy Kit who's my other business partner he's the the financial man sort of the the, the chairman if you will he was training at another gym he used to train at UP um and I got him a coach and all that sort of stuff. So he knew me quite well, um, but his coach had moved to a different gym. So he followed him. So they're training at a different gym. They're having similar conversations about doing a gym. Dean at this point had left UP and gone to this other gym as well. So they're having conversations, but Dean's kind of like, look, I'm only going to do this if we can get John involved mm -hmm. because I only trust John to fucking run it. So they approached me. Um, and at first I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do it. Um, and then they kind of go, well, would you help us a bit? Could you consult a little yep. bit? Uh, so they put me on a group chat and I'm starting to help out a little bit, but I felt guilty. I fucking knew that if I got caught helping out, I'd get fired on the spot. Wow. Okay. So, so yeah. my, yeah. so my conscience went, okay, I can't, I can't do this. Like I, you know, just, I need to get off this chat and I'd love to help, but you know, my, my the job I have is too, too important. And at the time I was already planning on moving out to the US. Danny was already moving to the US and I'd promised we'd had a long phase of a long distance relationship because I was in Australia, she was in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So I'd already promised I was going to the US and that was that was part of... So you had, you, you had some plans ahead, which is what you yeah, tell people so, to yeah, work so all the time? Yeah, so I'd already planned that I was going to go there. I'd kind of promised Danny that I'll come to the US and we'll, and we'll work things out, uh, but we're not going to live apart anymore. Um, UP had actually offered me a job in the LA gym. So that was all on the cards. I was just waiting. And, and this then goes back to when we touched before about the size of UP as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. There's Singapore, yeah. Hong Kong, Sydney, yeah. LA, yeah. London. Yeah. And the, and and the opportunity to do LA overdoing hybrid at the time, which I didn't know it was called hybrid until we got a bit further into it. Because like I said, I'd gone in and then I pulled out because I was like, look, the opportunity to go to LA with UP is, mm -hmm. is more important. And that's what I want to do. Um, and then... Um, Dean comes back. Oh no, that was it. You, the UFC came to Singapore and Dean went, I'm going to go to Singapore because um, Kit, our other business partner, gets us really good tickets for the UFC. 
Yeah, yeah, um, you know, remember UFC London, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> he, uh, he he does all that stuff, and we kind of. Um, so anyway, he says, "I'm going to go, and I'm going to convince John to get involved." So and he, he told me, he, so they're headhunting you by yeah, this point. He, yeah, yeah. He, didn't, he didn't put it on my toes before he, you know, he, when he got there, he said, "Look, I'm coming, and I'm going to try and convince you to come." So anyway, we have a few drinks, we sit down, and he and he paints the picture, and I'm just like, you know what, it's an opportunity to do a gym the way I want to do it. You know, we're going to do personal training, we're going to do group training, we're going to do MMA. It's everything I ever fucking wanted. So I'm like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to do it. So I had my notice in at UP. Clearly doesn't go down very well. It kind of went down okay. No one made a big deal at the time. More shit happened later, but it is what it is. Um, go off and do my thing. So I, I leave Singapore, um, go back to Hong Kong to help them build a gym. The reason they gave it me, I, I, I remember specifically saying... To Danny at the time, I was like, look, I don't know whether I really want this. I said, but this is what I'm going to ask for. And if they give it me, I'll take it. If they don't, I'll stick with the original plan. So I said, I want this much money. I said, I'll put this much in, but I want this many shares. And I, and I, um, and I don't want to be on site. I said, I'm moving to LA. <laughs> so I said, I'll so be there's there. That, there's that vision. Yeah. Again. I'm like, if, if you want me involved that much, that you will hire me to consult and oversee from distance once I've got it set up, then I'll come, I'll get on board. But if you want me to be in Hong Kong permanently, then I'm not taking it. Mm -hmm. um, because I'd, again, I'd made promises. I wanted to go to LA, I wanted to sample that anyway. And that was when the best of both worlds kind of came up because I'm like, okay, fuck, if I can have my own business, build it over there and then be free to travel back and forth. I said, look, I'll travel. I've got no problem traveling. Yeah. I quite enjoy traveling. Yeah. I'll come to Hong Kong one week out of every month and spend three weeks in, in the US, um, which is what I started to do. So the first six months was all building the gym. I stayed there, I stayed put pretty much, traveled to the US a couple of times here mm -hmm. and there. Um, but let me just jump in. But the, one of my favorite sayings is you get what you communicate. Yeah. It sounds to me like you were super clear with that. This because is what I, I want. Yeah, and I think for the first time in my life, I had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. So I was like, give me this and I'll do it. But you set your boundaries. Yeah. You were clear that you wanted to live in LA. Yeah. So. Yeah, there was no, that that was not, there was not a shock to anybody. So I was like, look, I'll do what needs to be done. So, you know, I go to Hong Kong, I help build the gym. So from scratch, we get the, we get the designs done. You know, we get the contractors in and my job was to work with the contractors. So I'm in the gym every day, back and forth. I learned a lot about how to build the gyms and how to work with contractors and how to get, keep things on time, make sure the gym opens on time get all the equipment in. Um, uh, another one of the partners at the time who's not there, but you know, good guy, really good guy. He was helping out with a lot of that. So he'd already got a lot of the plans in place. So I was kind of overseeing and managing him. He was doing sort of some of the day-to-day -day stuff. I was overseeing all the contracting stuff. And then we started hiring, getting the contracts ready, getting all the legal stuff done. So you're literally building the gym from scratch, but this being my first go at it. So ticking the boxes of what kind of needed to be done. Um, I was obviously the more organized one, so I was kind of, and I'd done some of this stuff before, so I was writing out contracts, job descriptions, all the systems to be put in place. So I was doing all of that behind the scenes. Um, so all them skills you'd learned 20 odd years ago, and yeah, I'm starting to kind of affected through UP yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and yeah. you know, and various other roles, let's say, and, and, um, so, you know, and I, I just wanted as well go back to that communication thing. But just going sideways slightly, is that is that the key to you know business partners, investors, all that kind of stuff? Just just a quick question there, and then I want to come back to LA being clear in that communication. I mean, look, yeah, I mean, look, I've learned a lot 
about how investment works, mm -hmm. about how getting investment works, how, and look, you know, we probably did a lot of things, you know, the wrong way <laughs> to start with. But yeah, I mean, one of my biggest, biggest mantras nowadays is fucking communication. Yeah. Like, and, and from every level, you yeah. know, you, you know, if, if any of my coaches ever listen to this, they, it's the number one thing I talk about. They will be listening <laughs> to this. It's the number one thing I talk about, even in education, from the ground up, it's like communication, communication. If you don't communicate clearly with your clients, if I don't communicate clearly as a business to our potential clients and what we want to bring in and we're not clearing our message, then it gets lost. Yeah. And when we're trying to communicate, you know, as a as a board, same thing. We're never always going to be on the same page, but we have to be clear in the direction. We have to be clear in, you know, what our roles are. What what do we actually do? You know, so like when we set the business up, obviously, you know, me and Dean had to be very clear in what what our roles were and who stepped on whose toes when and where. So you've you know. got expectations of each other. Yeah, you hold because each other otherwise, account it, get, and but, yeah, otherwise it gets messy, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought you were doing this, or I thought you were doing that, or you know, you're not pulling your weight in this area. Like, I didn't know that was my responsibility, yeah. and and all these sort of things. So it became, you know, Dean's a very high level business person, been you know CEO and a lot of uh, he's run you know recruitment companies for years at a high level, you know you know, area manager, country-wise, countries, you know, not just one. Okay. Um, so he brought a lot of the corporate management skills and knowledge and biz big business knowledge, which obviously I didn't really have. I had the gym side, the systems, understanding how trainers work. It sounds like you had a bunch of skills that complemented each other. Yeah, very much so, because, you know, it's the, the laughs we have a little bit now talking about some things like I... You know, I learned a lot on the finances, business, you know, how to run things behind the scenes, how to set things up, how to set everything up successfully from a financial point of view from him um, and just then how to drive those numbers on a weekly, monthly basis. I always knew from being a manager that chasing, being a manager is about chasing. So chasing and, and building anything is about chasing, chasing, you know, what's going on, staying on top of everything, making sure everyone's doing what they need to be doing in order to hit certain numbers every month. But so and I learned all about financial planning. I learned about P and Ls. I learned all that sort of stuff. But that, then was that that boring stuff from before? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's fucking shit. But now I fucking love it. Yeah, I learned. I've learned about accounts. You know, and I'm good with numbers. I was good with numbers back then, but I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. Now I kind of enjoy it yeah, a little you bit. See more. the value in it yeah, now. I don't. Don't wrong. I don't enjoy it when the numbers are you know <laughs> in the fucking red. Then it's not as enjoyable. But when in the black, it's good. So, you know, I, he he taught me a lot. And funnily enough, you know, we now have conversations a couple of years later and he's, he's, you know, I did tell him, you know, trust me, trainers are an anomaly. And I'm telling you now, I know what's going on with them all. And I will pretty much always be right when shit's going on. And he didn't see a lot of it. Now he's like, fuck me, you were right about yeah, that. Yeah, trainers, chefs, couple of other, you know, so, other industries, isn't they, yeah, where so they're, was, they're an interesting yeah. bunch. Well, there was a few times when, you know, I'd say things or whatever. And just because they'd not really seen it, they, they didn't see what I saw. Yeah. And then over time, they're like, oh, fuck, I get it now. Nothing beats industry like experience. No, so I had all the experience with those kind of people, just like no different. If I walked into another environment, mm -hmm. I would maybe think I know people, I've managed people all around the world or da -da -da, whatever. But if it's in a completely different job, yeah. completely different environment, you know, chances are I'm like, yeah, I'll be fucking fine. I'll work it out. But someone's telling me, no, these people are a little different. This is how they think. This is how they work. And this is why they do what they do. And they're not necessarily incentivized this way. We should be doing it this way. 
you know, it can cause a little bit of loggerheads until you go, oh, fuck, actually, these, I, now I get that these people are just not, you know, Dean is f fucking one of the biggest hustlers I know. He fucking works his arse off, but he's on your tail, like, da da da, -da. And I'm like, trainers don't think like that. Yeah. And the more you push them, you'll, you'll break most. Yeah. You know, so for every one or two that you turn into a fucking diamond and becomes really good, you'll break a bunch of others. And unfortunately, yeah. you can't afford to break that many because you'll have no one left. Whereas in in the recruitment world, you know the 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 gains are so much bigger. Mm -hmm. The kinds of deals they're doing, the kind of money they're making on one deal, yeah. You know he can afford to push like fuck because that yeah. might be fifty grand to that yeah, person. It's it? yeah. a fifty grand bonus. You're like I'm like he don't give a fuck about an extra fifty quid. Mm -hmm. Right? Get it? Yeah. So I'm I'm just mindful of now that I need to sort of draw it in as well. But I want to very quickly. Uh, and then, because there's a couple of key things that yeah. I want to just very quickly touch on to present day. So from sunny Blackpool, you uh, into Manchester to, to you know, with New York, in, uh, New Jersey, excuse me, <laughs> in, in between, middle, which I never knew about, David Asseloff over here, you know, <laughs> and a doorman, and, and what was he called in Roadhouse, clearly. Oh, hell, yeah, yeah. yeah, but anyway, let's move on. Um, so, you know, transferable skills, loads of travel, Hong Kong. Yeah. Sydney, Singapore, you've now got two gyms in Hong Kong. Yeah. We live in LA, got a gym in LA, you're running three gyms, you're living in LA, two dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, there's a lot to be grateful for, don't get me wrong. It's, uh, it's not been easy. Um, but again, I credit a lot. You know, I look back to that decision of going to Hong Kong and that started off the last 10 years of my life. Mm -hmm. No different than if I go, you know, X amount of years before that, probably 10 years before that was the decision to move to Manchester. And Manchester spawned a 10-year development of my career. And when I got to a point where I didn't see where else I could go in Manchester, I, I, I made a change again. So, you know, I've, I talk about this a lot, but that, you know, again, for me, it's always been about trying to put myself in the environment of the direction I want to go. And I've, if I look at my career and I look at, you know, 10 year span ish in Blackpool, 10 year span in Manchester, and now the last 10 years, so my 30 year career in, in fitness, my last, you know, 10 years has been more travel, big business type cities. You know, that's how in some ways, first of all, how I've developed my career, but also how I've got myself out of certain situations. There's no way I'm going to Blackpool, I'm going from Blackpool to LA, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm that's too big a leap, but I go from Blackpool to Manchester. Yep. You know, to continue to develop in Manchester, I go from Manchester to Hong Kong, and then that starts to open things up globally. I get a bit better known globally and all these other things, and it just started to, to step. But it took a decision to change my, I guess, path and direction, not knowing what the end outcome would be. I didn't know when I went to Hong Kong I was going to end up in LA 10 years later, right? Well, six years later, whatever it was. That was not on the radar. Didn't even know I was going to end up in Australia. I kind of hoped because I knew mm -hmm. that job was coming up when I took Hong Kong. But, you know, so the, the the taking the risk, I didn't know where I'd end up in Manchester. But look at all the places I worked in Manchester and all the things I did. LA Fitness was just the starting point. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I think you've just said it there because I was, I, was, I was trying to, I was trying to process that while you were telling me. And I think you've just said it. It was taking the risks, being, you know, almost the ultimate growth mindset. And they're the two of the key things that, that I have picked up from you massively over over the years. And, and all while, very quickly, you've always took mentorship, uh, you know, from various people. 
uh, always trained, mm. uh, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, running jiu-jitsu classes all over the world, mm. being trained by mentors who are... Yeah, some of the best coaches in the world. Yeah, you know. Um, um, you know, if you want to obviously mention them, of course, that, that is, you know, your thing. Because I know there's <laughs> one who's deeply in your heart, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, you know, that's, that's always going to be there. But like I said, I've, I've worked with a lot of... A lot of good coaches that world you know and that's probably for another podcast now the jiu-jitsu stuff but you know that world has also massively helped in my growth i've been doing jiu-jitsu for well over 15 years so if i look at you know the last you know like my the way my career has grown alongside you know, the jiu-jitsu growth although the two very separate things there's been a lot i've been able to take from those things it's training doing that all around the world with different coaches and you know, like I say, for me, taking things global has just, you know, just excelled my career beyond what I would have ever thought I could have, mm. I could have done. I think if I could, you know, you're very kind to me, obviously, in 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 our first podcast, and and I think there's a there's a, a hundred compliments I could I could give you, and I think I think um and and you know. We don't company each other. <laughs> no, do we? I don't know what's going on no, here. It's but... a bit weird. I'm not oh, used yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm all used a bit. You're normally calling me names. Yeah, exactly. But... but I mean, it, all over the industry, and I'll wrap it up with this. All over the industry, people describe themselves, and I have a real problem with describing yourself. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as we all know, but people describe themselves as an international trainer, yeah. as an international coach, as an international presenter, and and going and doing you know, a a class in another country for an hour or two or a day or two. Mm. In my mind, it can maybe it does make you a little bit international, but traveling to different countries, living in different countries, packing your bags, taking the risks, opening gyms, running gyms successfully, owning gyms through COVID, might I add, but maybe yeah. we'll get more to that yeah, another yeah. time without That's a whole other without story. the financial <laughs> yeah, support yeah, yeah. there. That to me makes you the ultimate international coach and it's incredibly you know incredibly inspiring um to for you to remain so humble through it all as well you've got so much to give and um you know here we are in manchester still 20 years later we'll be doing manchester yeah recording still this. home it's still home yeah and I tell everyone around the world there's no manchester's got the greatest people like that's what i miss if i miss anything about manchester it's uh, uh, of course you exactly, know but, yeah. Um, but it's it's truly inspiring and um you know the journey continues absolutely thank you very much i appreciate it that's us guys that's the end of episode two i'm rick it's been brilliant getting to know john a little bit more we'll see you all very soon for episode three take care